eyes gleaming in anticipation of the treat in store. Propping his back against the rail of the sty, George Cyril Wellbeloved watched him approach, a silent whistle of surprise on his lips. Well, strike me pink, he said to his immortal soul. Go chase my aunt Fanny up a gum tree. What had occasioned this astonishment was the fact that his social superior, usually the sloppiest of dressers and generally regarded as one of Shropshire's more prominent eyesores, was now pure Savile Row from head to foot. Not even the tailor and cutter's most acid critic could have found a thing to cavil at in the quiet splendour of his appearance. Enough to startle any beholder accustomed to seeing him in baggy flannel trousers, an old shooting coat with holes in the elbows, and a hat which would have been rejected disdainfully by the least fastidious of tramps. It was no sudden outbreak of foppishness that had wrought this change in the Ninth Earl's outer crust, turning him into a prismatic sight at which Pigman blinked amazed. As he'd explained to Myra Shoemaker on encountering her mooning about in the hall, he was wearing the beastly things because he was going to London on the 10.35 train because his sister Connie had ordered him to attend the opening of Parliament. Though why Parliament could not get itself opened without his assistance, he was at a loss to understand. A backwards peer to end all backwards peers, Lord Emsworth had a strong dislike for London. He could never see what pleasure his friend Ickenham found in visiting that frightful city. The latter's statement that London brought out all the best in him and was the only place where his soul could expand like a blossoming flower and his generous nature find full expression bewildered him. Himself, he wanted nothing but Blanding's Castle, even though his sister Constance his secretary, Lavender Briggs, and the Duke of Dunstable were there, and Connie, overriding his veto, had allowed the Church Lads Brigade to camp out by the lake. Many people are fond of Church Lads, but he was not of their number, and he chafed at Connie's high-handedness in letting loose on his grounds and messages what sometimes seemed to him about five hundred of them, all squealing simultaneously. But this morning... There was no room in his mind for morbid thoughts about these juvenile plug-uglies. He strongly suspected that it was one of them who had knocked his top hat off with a trusty roll at the recent school treat. But, with a visit to the Empress in view, he had no leisure to brood on past wrongs. One did not think of mundane things when about to fraternize with that wonder pig. Arriving at her GHQ, he beamed on George Cyril Wellbeloved as if on some spectacle in glorious technicolor. And this was odd, for the O.C. Pigs, as Myra Shoemaker had hinted, was no feast for the eye. Having a sinister squint, a broken nose acquired during a political discussion at the Goose and Gander in Market Blandings, and a good deal of mud all over him. He also smelt rather strongly. But what enchanted Lord Emsworth? Gazing on this son of the soil, was not his looks or the bouquet he diffused, but his mere presence. It thrilled him to feel that this prince of pigmen was back again, tending the empress once more. 
George Cyril might rather closely resemble someone for whom the police were spreading a dragnet in the expectation of making an arrest shortly, but nobody could deny his great gifts. He knew his pigs. So Lord Emsworth beamed, and when he spoke, did so with what, when statesmen meet for conferences, is known as the utmost cordiality. Morning, well-beloved. Morning, my lord. Empress, all right. And the pink, my lord. Eating well? Like a streak, my lord. Splendid. It is so important. Lord Emsworth explained to Myra Shoemaker, who was regarding the noble animal with a dull eye, that her appetite should remain good. Uh, you have, of course, read your Wolf Lehmann, and will remember that, according to the Wolf Lehmann feeding standards, a pig, uh, to enjoy health, must consume daily nourishment amounting to 57,800 calories. These to consist of proteids, 4 pounds 5 ounces, carbohydrates, 25 pounds. Oh, said Myra. Linseed meal is the secret, that and potato peelings. Oh, said Myra. I knew you would be interested, said Lord Emsworth. And, of course, skinned milk. <laughs> I've got to go to London for a couple of nights, well-beloved. I leave the Empress in your charge. Her welfare shall be my constant concern, my lord. Capital, capital, capital said Lord Emsworth, and would probably have gone on doing so for some little time, for he was a man who, when he started saying, Capital, found it hard to stop. But at this moment, a new arrival joined their little group, a tall, haughty young woman who gazed on the world through harlequin glasses of a peculiarly intimidating kind. She had regarded the Ninth Earl with the cold eye of a governess of stricter views, who has found her young charge playing hooky. Pardon me, she said. Her voice was as cold as her eye. Lavender Briggs disapproved of Lord Emsworth, as she did of all those who employed her, particularly Lord Tilbury of the Mammoth Publishing Company, who had been Lord Emsworth's predecessor. When holding a secretarial post, she performed her duties faithfully, but it irked her to be a wage slave. What she wanted was to go into business for herself as the proprietress of a typewriting bureau. It was the seeming impossibility of ever obtaining the capital for this venture that interfered with her sleep at night, and in the daytime made her manner more than a little forbidding. Like George Cyril Wellbeloved, whose views were strongly communistic, which was how he got that broken nose, she eyed the more wealthy of her circle askance. Idle rich, she sometimes called them. Lord Emsworth, who'd been scratching the Empress's back with the ferrule of his stick, an attention greatly appreciated by the silver medalist, turned with a start, much as the Lady of Shalott must have turned when the curse came upon her. There was always something about his secretary's voice when it addressed him unexpectedly that gave him the feeling that he was a small boy again, and had been caught by the authorities stealing jam. Eh? What? Uh, hello, Miss Briggs? Uh... Lovely morning. Quite. Lady Constance desired me to tell you that you should be getting ready to start, Lord Emsworth. What? Well, uh, I've plenty of time. 
Lady Constance thinks otherwise. I, 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 I'm all packed, aren't I? Quite. Well, then. The car is at the door, and Lady Constance desired me to tell you... Oh, all right, all right, said Lord Emsworth peevishly, adding a third, all right, for good measure. Always something, always something, he muttered, and told himself once again that of all the secretarial assistants he'd had, none, not even the efficient Baxter of evil memory, could compare in the art of taking the joy out of life with this repellent female, whom Connie, in her arbitrary way, had insisted on engaging, against his strongly expressed wishes. Always after him, always harrying him, always popping up out of a trap and wanting him to do things. What with Lavender Briggs, Connie, the Duke, and those beastly boys screaming and yelling beside the lake, life at Blanding's Castle was becoming insupportable. Gloomily, he took one last lingering look at the Empress and pottered off, thinking, as so many others had thought before him, that the ideal way of opening Parliament would be to put a bomb under it and press the button. The Duke of Dunstable, having read all he wanted to read in the Times and given up a half-hearted attempt to solve the crossword puzzle, had left the terrace and was making his way to Lady Constance's sitting-room. He was looking for someone to talk to, and Connie, though in his opinion potty, like all women, would be better than nothing. He was a large, stout, bald-headed man with a jutting nose, prominent eyes, and a bushy white moustache, of the type favoured by regimental sergeant majors and walruses. In Wiltshire, where he resided, when not inviting himself for long visits to the homes of others, he was far from popular.